Safety Chick Rules, the podcast with incredible stories of survivors, experts, and ordinary people doing extraordinary things, all with the mission to fight the bad guys. This isn't your ordinary true crime podcast. This one gives you the tools to live a safe and empowered life, fighting crime one tip at a time. Hello, and welcome to the first ever Numero Uno Safety Chick Rules podcast. I am Kathleen Gallagher, also known as the Safety Chick. And for those of you who don't know me, I'll get into my story in a second. But I just have to say, I have been on TV for decades. I've done, you know, hundreds of other people's radio shows, podcasts, and I've always had this trepidation about doing my own show. And it wasn't until my dear friend and colleague, Paul Violas, and his trusty producer, Seth Nyman, talked me into doing it. So here I am. Um, and I also stole Paul's producer, Seth, and I don't know where he, he's here somewhere. There he is. Hi, Seth. Seth's Hello. like my little security blanket. I, I knew I could do it if he was my producer. Anyway, before I get into my story, the, the real gist of, of why I decided like now was the time to start the podcast is because everything that's been going on in the world, the, the, the fear, the, the you know, trepidation, the, the, the awful, um, I think, climate that we're in right now. And I'm all about just taking a deep breath and relaxing and really understanding that um, the odds of being a victim of a random act of violence are slim to none if you just make smart personal safety choices. And that's what this podcast is all about. So my story starts that I was a stalking victim. I was stalked for a period of about 15 years. And in that time, I really did live like a hunted animal. I had to learn every possible aspect of personal safety to stay alive. At the time, there were no laws on the books. There wasn't even the word stalking. Um, I was stalked by a guy that I went to high school with, and he didn't start stalking me until my junior year of college. And it was a random phone call. Uh, I was home visiting my parents on Thanksgiving. Um, I went to UCLA and lived, grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area. So I was home visiting my parents for Thanksgiving. I answered the phone and it was a strange uh, guy saying that his name was John and, you know, I knew him from college and, and I really didn't recognize the voice. But, you know, we as women, we as young women, I just kind of kept playing along because I didn't want to be rude, you know. So, it started to hit me that, that I did not know who this person was, and then it was kind of strange, and then all of a sudden he just hung up. The next morning, the phone started ringing, and um, my parents were out of the house. I was home alone, and the phone rang. every. I'd pick it up, and there would be nobody there, and every five minutes for like an hour. And finally I picked up, and I said, I know who this is, you know, just to say something. And I heard the voice on the other end say, why are you talking to me? You never used to talk to me before. Why are you talking to me now? And I said, I, I, don't, I don't know who this is. And the person hung up. And at that point, I did recognize his voice. And I did recognize that it was a guy that I'd gone to high school with. From there, later on that afternoon, I was hopped in the car to go down and see a friend of mine. Um, and I looked at the car next to me. And it was the guy that had just called me. We'll call him John, my stalker. Um, I was startled. He drove away later on that night. Um, I had been out with a friend, came home and John appeared out of the bushes, um, to, to, to 
you know, startle me. And um, my friend jumped in the middle and said, you know, what are you doing? And John didn't really say anything, but he, he had a look in his eye. It wasn't drugs. It wasn't, it was just like vacant. And I knew that it wasn't normal, you know, that, that, that whatever this energy was, was not normal. He jumped in his truck and took off. We walked into the house and the phone rang and my friend picked up the phone and, um, John said, uh, it was John. And he said, tell the big guy, I'm going to kill him. That was my date that I, that was with me. And, um, my friend said, what? And he goes, I have 180 rands of ammunition and I'm going to blow him away. And she said, listen, Kathleen's going back down to school tomorrow. Why don't you just, you know, leave her alone? And he goes, oh yeah, well, we still have tonight and she's not going to make it back down there. That was the first encounter with John that I had had since I could remember in high school. From there, um, we called the police. The police parked across the street and waited. And sure enough, John came driving by and the police chased him throughout the city pulled him over on the other side of town. He did have 180 rounds of ammunition, a semi-automatic weapon, and a loaded clip under his seat. That's how this story started. For the sake of time, I will tell you that there were eight arrests and stories just like that um, for the next, uh, you know, eight years, eight to 10 years of my life, going through, going through college and then as a young adult. And the problem was, again, there were no laws on the books that made what he was doing um, a felony. I had a restraining order. I got a restraining order. And, um, you know, he would violate restraining order and go back to jail for 60 days or 180 days and then be out on probation or parole at the probation at the time. And so I, you know, tried to live my life relatively normally. I was a college kid. I, and then I was an actress in, in LA after I was a dancer for LA gear, that old tennis shoe company and trying to live my life. But all the while, always looking over my shoulder, having that feeling that, that someone was after me. And for those of you out there listening who have lived in fear, it is gut wrenching. It is, um, overwhelming. And I will tell you, and as you stay with me throughout this podcast journey, I will give you the tools to help get over living in fear because I swear to God, I promise you it's a switch. It's nothing, you know, there's no magic pill. It really is a mindset and certain things that you can do to, to empower yourself to not live in fear. But it took me several years to learn that. So I'm hoping to impart my knowledge and the knowledge of experts, crime victims, um, you know, survivors, people that I'm going to have on the show that, that are amazing, ordinary people doing extraordinary things. So, I mean, the police said, look, until he lays a hand on you, there's nothing we can do. So, um, you know, I really learned over time how to work with the police and how to be my own case manager, how to document what was going on. Um, and really, you know, every time I got a restraining order and I, you know, if I moved to a new place, I would go down to the police station, introduce myself, bring my paperwork so that the police knew, um, you know, what was going on and they could work with me if he showed up. So in, I had, um, gotten married. Um, and we were living back up in the Bay area. Nothing was in my name. Um, and I felt really safe. And my ex-husband played professional football 
Um, he played for the Miami Dolphins. And so um, it was just, it was the, the end of the season around January. And we, he, we were back home in Menlo Park, California, and we ordered a Domino's pizza. And I answered the door and John was the Domino's pizza delivery guy. Now to this day, I do not know if that was coincidence. I do not, I don't know. I, he's never said, but um, there it was. He knew where I was living again. So shortly thereafter, I started seeing him again. Menlo Park PD was able to pick him up. I called and they caught him um, just a block from my house. So he was arrested for violation restraining order and was put in jail for four months. In that time, that is when I got married and we went on our honeymoon and I came back. It was like April and um, uh, I answered the phone and it was the police. And they said, look, we just want to let you know that John has been let out of jail, courtesy call. And, um, you know, just be on the lookout. I said, great. So my ex-husband had to go back to spring training camp in Miami. And so I was home alone. The day that he left, I got a call from John's pro pro probation officer call that saved my life. He said, I just want to let you know that John didn't show up for his meeting today. He's missing, not answering calls, and he's been acting despondent. And I really believe that he's coming back after you. And I just had this feeling because I had been living this way for so many years. I just wanted him to kill me. I just wanted it to be over. I was so tired of living this hunted animal lifestyle. So I remember, you know, in the middle of the night, my parents lived about 10 minutes from me and I could have gone and stayed there. I could have, you know, and listen to me, that is the smart thing to do. Don't, don't do what I did. Don't, don't try to do this by yourself. I, I don't, I do not advise that at all. You know, knowledge is power. And what I know now is I would never do that again. Okay. So in the middle of the night, if I heard a noise, I would slide out of my bed and crawl through the house on my stomach and freeze and just, you know, look out the window thinking was there. Or in the morning, I would, um, you know, open the door and walk out and kind of tense up thinking a, a bullet was going to hit me from somewhere. And then it, it, I had a partial on his license plate. And so the police, you know, violation of his rights, I couldn't, you know, find out exactly what his license plate number was, but I had enough in a vehicle description that when I would come home from work, I would drive the neighborhood looking for his car, you know, just to make sure sweeping. And I remember uh, going over to my friend, Karen Goodman's house, who I've known since kindergarten and saying, I just want this to be over. I just, I just, I don't, I don't, I can't do this anymore. And she said, don't worry, they're going to find him, you know, and they're going to put him away for a long time. So I went home, it was about 4.30 in the afternoon, and I went into my house and I was um, listening to my answering machine. Yeah, we had answering machines back then. Um, and I turned around and John was standing behind me with a knife in my home. And because I had been playing it for so long in my head, I said, sit down, I've been expecting you. We need to talk. And in that moment, that completely threw his power. And I could tell that he's like, you know, you better tell me if someone's here. I'm like, no, no one's here, you know. And it was just truly an out-of-body experience. And this is the other thing I tell people out there. You know, I've met 
thousands of crime victims over the years in the work that I've done. And I will tell you that we all have in us, you want to call it God, spirit, a power, a divine empowerment, angel, whatever. We all have within us that when we are in a life-threatening situation, we do whatever it takes to survive, the flight or flight, whatever, whatever you want to call it. And for me that day, I'll tell you, I had a divine angel looking over me because what came out of my mouth just flowed. And I believe it saved my life. So the phone rang and I said, listen, I've got to pick that up because, um, you know, everybody knows you're missing and they're checking on me right now. So he let me, you know, he had a knife and he'd stand right there and, and he let me pick up the phone and it was my mom. Now, I don't know about your mother's, but my mother, God rest her soul, um, was a chatter. Like she could talk and not listen. So she would ask me a question and I would answer something completely different, hoping that she would figure it out, which she did not the first couple times. So finally, she said something and I said, yes, it is really hot. And so I remember her kind of stopping and saying, is everything okay? And I said, no, you know? And so she said, oh my God, is John there? You know, whatever. And I said, yes. And so I said, gotta go, you know, because I didn't want him to hear her screaming. So I hung up and at least I knew that someone knew that he was there. And I knew that Menlo Park police was close by and knew the whole situation. So that gave me a little, a little bit of comfort. Kept, we kept kind of talking and the phone rang again and I picked it up and it was police dispatch, a woman. And she said, I just, you know, can you talk? And this is where I'm talking about, you know, the divine guidance. I, I started talking to her at the time I was dabbling in real estate and I started talking to her like she was a real estate client. So she was able to get a lot of information out of me, like, where is he standing? Does he have a weapon? Um, we need to get you outside. The police are almost there. They're around the corner, but get outside because we don't want a hostage situation. I'm like, great. So I said, okay. And I hung up. So I said to John, I waited for a couple of minutes. It felt like, you know, an hour it was probably 30 seconds, but I said, all right, let's go. He wanted to uh, take me up to a cabin in the Trinity Mountains, which is a mountain range on the way up to Lake Tahoe. And um, I said, all right, let's go. So we went out into the garage and he had um, rope laid out, uh, his jacket. I mean, I don't know how long this guy had been in my house. And he said, now don't run. So he, he tied up my hands, um, put, it, put his jacket over my arms so he, nobody could see that I, my hands were tied and he said now don't run and don't scream and he pulled out a gun and at that point I really was out of body I thought you know this is it I mean I don't even know what you think it's it's just all such a flash it goes by so quickly but I remember saying you need to put that gun away because if anybody sees you out there they're going to call the police so he put the gun behind his belt in his back and we went out the side garage door and opened up. My car was parked in the driveway and, you know, straight ahead was kind of a busy street and we had a picket fence around the house. And we go out and um, he's putting the keys in the car door and I look around and there's no one. And I'm thinking, oh, great. And I'm kind of stepping, you know, to the side out of the line of fire and a cop, a police officer did come from around the mailbox at the end of the driveway with his guns drawn and said, freeze or I'll blow your effing head off. And I remember honestly going, oh my God, 
they, they like really do say that. Like I felt like I was in the movies, but he did not freeze. He pulled out his gun and he pointed it at his chest. So the police officer didn't shoot him from there. Cops were like everywhere, um, all in front of the house, all with their guns drawn at us. And, you know, John is standing there kind of rocking back and forth and I'm screaming, you know, drop the gun, drop the gun. And, and all of a sudden I notice over to my left, a tall police officer waving for me to run to him. So the good news is I ran the hundred meters in college and in high school and I was pretty fast. So I'm not going to lie. I ran the fastest 40 meters of my life and I hurtled the picket fence with my hands tied into the hands of the waiting detective. So I escaped unharmed and he kept them at bay on my front porch for the next 11 hours, threatening to kill himself. Finally, SWAT had come in the back, were able to, he was going back into my garage to get warm and SWAT was inside and they opened the door on him. He fell back. They flew flash grenades, whatever those are, and they tackled him and they were able to arrest him. He went off to prison for eight years, 10 months for attempted kidnapping because by law, he didn't take me enough feet, if you can imagine that. Now, remember, there were no laws on the books for stalking. So this was just attempted kidnapping, okay? Shortly thereafter, I was left, well, obviously in shock and a bad case of PTSD, which we'll do a whole show on later, but just sitting there going, what, what just happened? And I was contacted shortly thereafter by a state senator out of Orange County, California, Ed Royce, who was trying to pass our state and the nation's first anti-stalking law. And he called me and he said, um, would you be willing to go and testify in front of the California State Senate on behalf of the law? And I said, absolutely. Again, I was an actress. I was comfortable public speaking. And, you know, I had a, uh, you know, extreme passion to get this law passed. Right. So I did. And the law passed unanimously that day. And from there, uh, now that the law was in all the, you know, that we wanted to get the law in all the states, I started doing every national talk show known to man uh, to get the word out about stalking and then started training with a group of threat assessment experts out of the LAPD, people that really were the first people to be dealing with stalkers um, because out of Hollywood and, and the actresses and all that. So it kind of all happened at the same time. So I, I started on this journey um, with all these experts around me um, in that, that didn't just specialize in stalking and threat assessment and, you know, school shootings, domestic violence, everything. And it was just so natural for me to be a part of this movement to really help keep people safe from crime. But everything that I had read about personal safety was always so negative and daunting. It was like watching a train wreck. And, I, and I'm sorry, I just don't feel we as women uh, respond to that. We like, you go girl, Charlie's Angels, Sex in the City, you know, empowerment. And so I really wanted, you know, to change the way that personal safety is marketed to women. You know, it's always some women, you know, for, for a home security commercial or whatever, it's always, you know, the guy, the shadowy guy, and then the girl, the woman's hiding in the corner. I mean, that's ridiculous. That is not the way that we should live our lives. So that's what set me on the journey to really create a brand and messaging that personal safety 
you know, caring about your personal safety is the greatest gift that you can give yourself. And really, I wanted to make it a lifestyle, a lifestyle choice. Like this is the core to, to everything. Caring about your personal safety, making smart personal safety choices opens up your whole world. It, it makes you a better mother, a, a better student, a better parent, a better friend, a better lover, everything. Because without that, you, you, you can't live a free and empowered life. So that is why I decided to really start the brand. And how I got the name was I was doing a TV show um, for the PAX Network years ago at Universal Studios. And I had been on uh, the show before talking about stocking this, that. And then the next show I went on to show how to shoot um, or how to use pepper spray and, and all that stuff. And I remember I walked on the set and the grip, one of the guys that worked there goes, oh, there's that safety chick again. I'm like, that is exactly who I am. And that is how I got my name. So from there, I've written books, um, you know, done all kinds of TV, been on the Today Show for decades, Inside Edition, Daily Mail, whatever. All in an attempt to, in fact, in, in the open, you heard Kathy Lee say, she calls me the Jane Bond of personal safety because I do all kinds of gadgets, safety gadgets, apps, everything to, to, to help you in every aspect. There's the, every aspect of personal safety, whether it's identity theft, credit card fraud, date rape drugs, um, you know, home security, sex trafficking, all of it. And, and that's what this show is going to be about is to bring you the safety chick rules and tips of how to stay safe from crime. So for this first show, I wanted to get all that out there. And Seth, are you still there? Still hanging in with me? Yes, I am. <laughs> are you riveted? I am. You've only heard that story a thousand um, times. <laughs> where, remind us again, where, where is John now? John is free, actually. Um, he went to prison for eight, year, eight years, 10 months and violated parole. Actually, that first year that he was out, they captured him. He went back to prison for another year, violated again, went back for another year, violated again, went back for that third year and has been out ever since. So, you know, thank God he's has not been in my life and hopefully he's living a good life now and, um, you know, learned that, uh, you know, that, that is not the way to go. So, um, yeah. So since then all, all is well. And I just am, you know, happy that everything turned out the way it did because for a lot of other stalking victims, it doesn't. So based on everything you've done in your career, you're, it, I guess it's got to be somewhere in the back of your mind, but you're totally ready for if anything should ever happen. Exactly. Because that's, that's the way to live is to, 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 you know, I have a, I've taught myself and with other experts to build a perimeter of safety around me virtually and physically, which is what everyone should do. And safety is at the core of everything I do. It's not about living paranoid. It's about living smart. And just having that sense of awareness, you're going to hear me say that so many times throughout these podcasts is being aware of your surroundings is everything. We are the most vulnerable getting from point A to point B. And so for just taking those moments to really be aware, getting off the cell phone, getting off, you know, whatever planet we're on in our heads and really making those smart personal safety choices, like I said, nine times out of 10, you won't find yourself in a dangerous setting in the first place. That's great. That's definitely uh, that's what I mean. Like, because I've known you for a while, and it's like you, you, 
you know, it, to be able to have be prepared like that is it's probably comforting to be able to live like that and know you're ready for whatever comes your well, way. Well, and in parting, and so like how we're going to do on these shows is like I said, the safety chick rules. I mean, we do rule, but also there are rules. There are <laughs> safety rules that everybody needs to follow. So for this show, um, I want to end it by, by going over, like, first of all, they have to find us, Seth. They have to know where to find us, these podcasts. So we go to, where are we going again? Where, where are you listen our listeners podcasts. and viewers going? Where? At Apple, Spotify, YouTube, et cetera. Et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> Those are the big ones. Seth is yes, the podcast wherever you listen, man. you'll find us. Okay. Yes. The podcast so, man. You're the safety chick. I'm the podcast man. That, that's your new okay. nickname. Uh, and then the, the other thing is all of my social media is at the safety chick Instagram, Facebook is Kathleen Gallagher, the safety chick. Twitter is the safety chick safety is my website. Um, you know, over the years I get emails from people, you know, that have issues all over the world. And, I try to help as many people as I can. So, so if you, you know, questions, thoughts, um, issues, things you want me to cover, just reach out on any of those, D- DM me, um, and let me know, because that's what this show is all about. It's about things that you are concerned about. Ask yourself, what is your greatest personal safety fear? And then I'm going to encourage you to do something about it, or I'll help you find help to get over whatever that is. And and that's the goal of this. So before we leave, I'm going to read, if you are a stalking victim, first of all, or, or feel that you're being stalked. And that's the thing. People always ask me, how do you know if you're being stalked? Well, honestly, it's the feel, the, the moment that you feel in fear for your safety, that that's a good starting point. And from there, let me just read really quick, a bullet pointed list. Um, and then for any more information, go to my website, safetychick.com. So yeah, I have to wear glasses. Don't make fun of me. Um, okay. Number one, you want to make it clear to your stalker that you want no more communication, no more contact of any kind. Number one, number two, document all your incidents, keep a journal with you, keep every single bit of evidence, text messages, gifts, um, you know, DMs, anything, keep all that because in order to prove a case of stalking, you have to prove a laundry list of behavior. So you have to bring all that evidence down to the police. So that's, that's number four. You want to notify the police and go down, introduce yourself and bring, be concise, be your own case manager. Um, again, save all your evidence. And now in this world of ring doorbells and, and you know, your, your phones and everything, you can easily get, if, if they're loitering around on your property or too close to you, snap a picture for evidence because it's your word against them. Um, keep an emergency contact list. Let, let your most trusted confidants know that you're being stalked, um, at work, let your security team know that you're being stalked. If you have a photo of the person, you want to give them the, the security personnel as much information as you can about that person so they can secure the perimeter, uh, at work as well. And then the last thing is, 
you know, if you are able to prove a laundry list of behavior, go to the courts and obtain a restraining order. Now, we all know that restraining orders are just a piece of paper, but in order to prove a case of stalking, you have to prove that laundry list of behavior and in the beginning, breaking that restraining order, having that that order in place allows the police to be able to pick up the stalker and put him in jail quicker than, um, than if you didn't have it. So that's it. I, I feel good. I feel like I got this one under my belt. Seth, how do you feel? We, we, we made it through the first one. Um, you crushed it. Did I? I sure. don't know. Of course you did. Anyway. Yes, you do. Okay. Until, until next time, reach out and remember, caring about your personal safety is the greatest gift that you can give yourself. <laughs>